I took a bus through Uganda and Rwanda to get here to Burundi. I'm on a mission to stalk and find a real-life man-eating crocodile named Gustav. Folks here say he's killed more than 300 people on the banks of Lake Tanganyika. Here in Burundi, there's been a civil war going on for 12 years. A genocide, like in Rwanda. Hutus and Tutsis killing each other by the hundreds of thousands. When I get here, the war is slowing down, and what I'd like to do is report on people who are trying to make peace. Civilians like doctors and teachers who are standing up to the 19 warring factions. But no one's interested in buying stories about peace. So instead, I'm on assignment to cover the story of Gustav, the 20-foot-long, one-ton killer crocodile. Here's what I know. There have been verified Gustav sightings, and he's been filmed by National Geographic. Gustav seems invincible. A formidable descendant of the great reptiles from the age of the dinosaurs. He's mean-looking. In pictures, you can see four distinct bullet scars, three on his scaly body and one on his head. That movie Prime Evil is based on him. The original title was Gustav. He has claimed over 300 victims. He is elusive, intelligent, cunning. I have no idea how dangerous it really is to hunt for Gustav, or how safe Burundi is. So the first place I go is the U.S. Embassy, where this crew-cut military dad-type guy assures me it's not safe at all. One of the rebel groups is still at large, shelling houses in the city and shooting up remote villages. But mostly, the rebels have become armed gangsters, robbing school kids and aid workers on the roads. But since I'm here, I call up a local naturalist named Patrice Fay. He's been tracking Gustav for years. All the crocodiles were killed, the big one. Only one stay. He says Gustav was like Rambo, Rambo. More clever than all the other big crocodiles who've been killed off. He's like Rambo. <laughs> Patrice agrees to take me on a hunt. I climb into his jeep and we head towards Lake Tanganyika. Convoys of white UN trucks carrying food and supplies roll by. And we pass little refugee encampments on soccer fields with families sleeping under UN tarps. It feels like a country in pieces. On the side of the road, I see a single-file line of women, and each one is wearing a purple headscarf, and they're escorting a young mother home from the hospital with her new baby. And they walk quickly, with purpose. They know they're vulnerable, and they're eager to get home and shut the door behind them. On the way to the lake, Patrice takes me to a school for street kids whose parents went missing in the war. The kids are really excited about Gustav. And they sing a song about him. Don't go near the water's edge, they say. Gustav is waiting for you. And they warn me to be careful hunting the crocodile. It's not safe. The teachers at the school follow us out, and then they drag a heavy gate closed and lock the kids inside. They've all survived a decade of war, and they're not taking any chances. An hour later, we're at a remote shore of the lake. I break out my binoculars, scanning the water for Gustav. It's quiet, 
except for the birds and the hippos surfacing for air. Patrice explains that when Gustav is near, mother and father hippos form themselves into a wall around their babies. And then, there's a rustle in the bushes. And suddenly, a group of soldiers pulls up next to us. They speak quickly, and they say, we shouldn't be out here alone because it's not safe. One soldier says wild animals might stalk us, but another says rebels could be nearby. They stay close to us, clutching their guns. I'm on edge, but unsure exactly who to fear. I feel the collective uncertainty of this whole country finally clinging to safety after 12 years of civil war, like they're really trying to hold together a very fragile peace. The war began as an ethnic rivalry, but splintered into chaos, rebels killing civilians for no reason. Gustav is the same. He doesn't eat his victims, they say. He hunts for sport and leaves his victims' bodies on the sand. We don't see Gustav, so we pile back into the jeep and drive along the banks until Patrice finds a bunch of kids playing in the water. Sometimes Gustav is coming here. And uh, ask the children, hey, Batuto, Gustav The kids all shout back, he's over there, he's up by the river, he's past the city, and they're all pointing in different directions. So Patrice decides to drive me to the widow of Gustav's most recent victim. A woman stands in the mud doorway of her home, and she shows me a picture of her dead husband. He's wrapped up in a white sheet, and his face is swollen. He went fishing, and they found his body days later. She says, Gustav got him. But there's no way to tell. It's getting dark, and I catch a ride back to the capital with another journalist. I'm exhausted and nervous as we pass through endless military checkpoints. I think my day is over, and then it gets scary. Idling at a stoplight, a bus loaded to the seams with people pulls up alongside us, and then the passengers begin yelling at our car, screaming at us. They beat on the bus windows with their fists. And then a man on the street tries to force open the door of our car, and another man shoves his arm through my window. And then we speed off through the light, and I'm screaming, go, 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 go! We speed past the security officer at our hotel, and he closes the gate behind us. And as I catch my breath, I figure it out. The two men on the ground were trying to rob us, but the bus full of people were shouting to warn us. They were trying to protect us. I never find Gustav. And it seems clear that Gustav is used as a fable for all the dangers lurking in the bush. A way to make sense of horror and loss and to warn each other, be careful. But no one here wants to let the bad guys win. The nurses, the teachers, the embassy staff, even the soldiers, they're really fed up. And they're fierce too, guarding their children and each other and me. They're determined to keep everyone safe one moment at a time. Anna Sussman, ladies and gentlemen. Anna Sussman. 